Today on Holy Living Podcast, we are speaking with Simone Thomas Blakely, also known as Tora Sense, from the women's relationship platform Curve to Cuff. She's a leader who works with women leaders of faith to date with marriage with intention and authority. Let's welcome Simone Blakely. Hi, Simone. Hi, Janae. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining and connecting. You know, I when I started Holy Living Podcast, there were definitely some women in my network that I had to reach out to because I knew of the brilliance that they could bring to this platform. And you were one of those women, for sure. So I'm just so happy that we were able to connect. Same here. Same here. Super excited about this. Yeah. You know, I'm... I reached out because I've been seeing some of your content lately online, especially around women leaders and what they need to look for in a partner, whether they're dating or how they should be navigating through different stages of relationships. Your content's always like refreshing and humorous because you take a really amazing spin on blending faith intellectualism with humor. Mm. And so the one question I've always wanted to ask you is how did you end up becoming known as Torah Sense and what led you to wanting to talk to women leaders about how to date and, and have marriage? Very great question. And one word, journey. <laughs> but the longer version of the answer is Torah Sense generally just came about because I had a message that I wanted to share as a woman of faith, as a high achieving woman of faith that has gone through so many different struggles in my life. I'm thinking, okay, we have platforms. I have had struggles. I've overcome them. How can I put that out there for the world? And, and for women who are just like me to kind of glean from what I've learned. And it started off with me just putting random things out there. I was a teen mom. So I just talked about being a single mother. I uh, talked about not at the time I was, I was not married. I'm married now, but I wasn't married at the time. I talked about not wanting a boyfriend and how I was, and how I was navigating the dating world. I just, I just talked about random things. And then depending on how videos that I would put out went viral or the level of engagement, that would let me know that, wow, these women want to talk about this. So it led me into talking about femininity. Then it led for me to talk about dating. But then I noticed the subset of women, again, high achieving, ambitious leaders, women of faith, they had a special, they had special issues, special layers that I could teach, I could talk to. And once the demand came, like, hey, Tora, we want you to talk about dating. We want you to talk about love for us. I'm like, okay. I got on board and um, I decided to speak to those specific issues. Well, that's good. I th And just merit to your point, we all have a journey. We all, definitely, we all definitely have a journey. What is one of the biggest trends that you've seen in, in your journey around dealing with women, women leaders in, uh, around relationships. You know, I read a statistic, this is going a while back, but they say something like over 50% of marriages end in divorce and particularly in the church or women of faith. So that's not just lending itself to the church, but just lending itself to other ideologies as well. What do you think has shifted that has created such a stark number? And then also, what, what are the trends that you see? Yeah, we do have 
50% divorce rate. And there's a lot of factors in that. And one huge factor in that is due to the fact that we do have high achieving, ambitious women of faith. And this is not for me to say, oh, it's the woman's fault. It's me saying that a lot of the relation, a lot of the marriages that we had in the past that stayed together 30 years, 50 years, you know, women needed those marriages to survive. We don't need them. And so there were a lot of times we were accepting certain behaviors like outside kids or cheating or abuse when we just really wanted to financially survive. We wanted to be economically safe or we would be considered like a pariah of the community if we were separated from our husbands. And now a lot of those stigmas are gone from divorce as well as, you know, ladies don't have to depend on being in marriages to survive and to reach their goals. Again, there are a lot of other variables to it, but this is a big one specifically to high achieving, ambitious women in terms of the divorce rate. So that's number one. Two, because a lot of marriages started like, if we look in the past and we look at these long-standing relationships, these long-standing marriages, we see that a lot of that was put together by people just meeting in familiar settings, whether that was at church, whether that was at school, we got married younger, those types of things. But when we look at how things are now in, in people marrying older and after they've achieved certain things you notice that we don't have the skills that we thought we had. So if you meet somebody in familiar settings and you're like, okay, I like you, you like me, let's go together. And then you get married and you have kids. I mean, sounds easy, right? Now we're not living like that. People are leaving college without mates. (laughs) They're going to churches that are filled with women and barely any quality men, uh, qualified men in sight. And so we realized we don't have certain skills. We don't have the skills of meeting people or creating conversations or choosing a mate or having a, like creating an amazing experience while dating. And that's necessary in this modern day era because again, we're not meeting in familiar places and just, or we don't have family members introducing us to other people and we just link up and, and we're together. So yeah, there those are like the different factors. I was just thinking about some of the things that you said, and that's a really good point around we're not meeting people in common places. And that's the commonality that you, it uh, kind of lets you know that the person holds a similar mindset to you or has at least some common interests because that's why they're there. But you're right. Now we're meeting people coming from different walks of life from like in, in very nebulous settings that leaves us like it takes time to kind of explore that person to find out what are the commonalities that exist between us, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's that is that's a valid point, and that's an actual really good trend. Thank you. That that's that. Like I, I'm done. I'm like stuck there. I'm like thank you because I didn't even think about that. I know that I've heard a lot of women leaders talk about settling, and I know that in my own personal 
journey. I've shared my story around being a woman in my early 20s who felt I couldn't find an equal counterpart of the same race, emotionally, on the same level, spiritually, as well as even economically. Have you found that to be a common uh, narrative, not just within the African or the Black community, but but just in universally with women leaders? Of settling, of them having to settle? Yeah. So that's a very interesting concept. And as someone who has clients of different races, uh, I will definitely say that I've had many of them, if not most, come back and say, I've settled. <laughs> I've settled, but not specifically when it comes to like ambition or finances per se, but settled in character, settled in, you know, a a man's ability or capacity to even love them. So again, not just even the financial uh, concept or economics, but even emotionally and character wise, it's just a level of settling. It's like we, we've achieved all of this in our lives and yet we still don't really know that we're worth it. Right. You know, we, we lead with our accomplishments. We hide behind our accomplishments and that causes a disconnect from us actually connecting with men who are on our level. And that's just across the board. Yeah, I guess the reason why I brought that up, because I've heard some women leaders talk about, so this is something, I know that after my first marriage, like when I was going through my divorce and I decided to date again, I know that when I put myself back out there the second time, I had to use a matchmaker. And that was for a myriad of, of reasons. One was about security and privacy. But the other part was I found to... One of the things that I know that the matchmaker at the time, and I referred her to a few different women in my network, but I did hear this commonality that women who are successful, a lot of men actually have shared that they decline engaging those women, not so much because of their accomplishments, but because of a form of intimidation. And so I feel merit to your point that it's still selecting it's getting on the vibration that you attract the right person. I remember when I even met my current partner, I met him in a setting where I felt like he was way too good for me. And why would he even be interested in me? Meanwhile, mm. it, all he could see was like, you're so beautiful. And here mm. I am like in a pool around surrounded like 20 something year old women and I'm having like mommy breast and, and I'm wearing a bikini. And meanwhile, I look beautiful, but I just like, I'm like, why would this guy even want, like, why would you even bother with me? So I think I'm, I'm, I hear you. It's, it's definitely, yeah, I never even really thought about it that way. You know, we just, we don't see our value. We don't see our value or know how to take compliments. And I, I saw your video on on the ability, the disrespectfulness that we do to ourselves about the inability for... I, I find with women leaders, our inability to take compliments because we're so open to giving, but not at times not receiving. Oh, yeah. And, and, and here's the kicker. A lot of us are high achieving because we don't feel like we're worth it. A lot of us are high achieving because that's the way we get approval. 
That's the way. If we achieve this, if we check off the boxes, if we do this right, we're the good girls and we're going to get pats on the head and everyone is going to think we're great. And so a lot of us have ended up becoming successful because we don't think that they're worth it. That's the kicker. That's true. And it's interesting how that shifts, right? When you start understanding your value, I noticed, and I actually, I didn't realize that I had come from that place to, you know, wanting to prove something. Like everybody has their piece of what, like a high achievers, we all have something that we're striving to prove. And then that only goes so far, I found. That only goes so far. And then when you really start delving deep into healing yourself, you become like, that is just not sustaining me. So what do you think is the sustaining piece to for women leaders to tap into their self-worth and gain that sense of dignity and peacefulness and, and, and joy that they're seeking. Just to piggyback off of what you said about your experience, it was the same for me. It was, you know, I did overkill. I got three bachelor's degrees. I went and got me an MBA in accounting. I got my CPA license. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm dope and you guys are going to see it. Yep. And then now out of corporate as a pretty successful business owner, entrepreneur, I, I thrive off of my actual, like actually who I am. And that is the difference in how I, you know, how I navigate my success now. And so one thing I do with my clients and I help them as they are high achieving women who have achieved so much in their lives that, you know, kind of like, hide behind their accomplishments and don't really know exactly who they are is to like discover who they are because you can't really come from a place of enoughness if you don't explore who you are right and so number one you value can't be taken away or given to you you are the most high has already given you the value you're here the fact that you're here is the value And no one else has more than you and no one else has less. That's number one. So that means that if you can't gain more value than another person at a human level, you can't, that also means that no one can take value or anything can take value from you, no matter your mistakes or your failures. That's number one. And number two, we haven't really explored what we valued. And so I take my clients through an actual VIA assessment. Like, what are your values? Like, no, truly, what do you value? Not what you say out of your mouth. (laughs) Do you value knowledge? Do you value creativity? Do you value connections, right? Are those your convictions? Do you value spirituality? And if these are your values, what are you doing every single week to invest in that? So that you're, you're living out the values that you personally believe in outside of like your accomplishments, because with all the hustle and bustle of being a high achiever, you're constantly doing, 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 doing. And you're not necessarily exploring what your convictions are during the doing and you lose yourself in that capacity. Number two, like, like what are your, what are your interests? Like truly this is take away all of your, your work, your achievements, all your projects. If think about you just being a child with nothing else to do, what would you be driven towards? doing if you didn't have to do anything else? What would you lose time doing? (laughs) And then identify those. And then your abilities. 
what are you amazing at? What do people compliment you on outside of your accomplishments? Like, are you a good listener? Are you a good support person? Are you somebody who, you know, no, like, do you have a green thumb? Like, what are your abilities? And then study those. Study those attributes and you'll realize that who you are is much more important than what you do. And you can actually connect with people on who you are as a person and not all your accomplishments because that doesn't work. I'm in complete agreement with you, Simone, because it's interesting in my journey, you know, when people would see me on social media, they're looking at a teeny tiny fragment of who I am as a person. But a lot of the people that I lived around in my community, many of them didn't know what I did for a living. They may have known things like I wrote some books, but they didn't. I don't talk about what I do because what I do isn't who I am as a person. Right. And I think that that's the one part for women leaders. But I do think we come to a place in our journey where we're, we have to confront that place of like, who am I? At, who am I without the title? Who am I without, without what everybody else expects of me? Right. And who that person is, is the person to cultivate. You know, you can't, you know, I, I always make, we always make the joke about like, as women, you know, you can't hide behind a, a mask or makeup or things like that. But that's just true with life. You can't hide behind that. So when you meet women that are are having an identity crisis around title and how they show up in life versus who they are, how do you, when you're helping them to find their values and coming face to face with those values... What is what is one of the the key pieces that you see like in the revelation? They're not living their values. Like the things that they say they believe in that they're strongly convicted, they can see on a day the day, week by week, month to month, year by year, that they're not even aligned with the values that they say that they value. And that's a problem because you're, you're always going to be disconnected to yourself if you're not investing in yourself and who you are. Yeah, I actually find the big piece that I've I've been talking to people about this year that seems to be resounding is intentionality. And I think to cultivate a great life, there has to be an intentionality to want to live healthy, want to have a, a good mindset. Like there has to be an intentionality, not just in business, because I think that it's for some people, it's easier for them to do the business piece because they start running on this wheel of scarcity, I call it. Like they become workaholics because if I can hide behind the work, I really don't have to deal with myself. And they may not think that they are doing that intentionally, but it is, it is, there's a sense of intention. They're putting business before who they are as people. So one of the things that I even shared when I do have conversations with women leaders, what I discovered was I had to put this on, like I had to flip everything around and come from, I come first, Mm. then my family, Mm. then business. Mm. And I found that there was no lack once that order was in place. And I've seen other like celebrities and other thought leaders and other uh, um, other uh, peers of mine talk about that as well. It's not, it's about the intention to live the life that you want. And so when women get this revelation working with you, 
like what are the steps after once they get this divine reveal? What are the how long does it take for them to start implementing those things in their life after? It doesn't take very long at all. The intention once they have the revelation, it's simply about now we got to put this on the calendar. <laughs> we have to be very proactive about making sure this happens. So again, if I value family, what's on the calendar this week that's going to be dedicated to family time? If you say that you value family, but there's nothing on the calendar or you haven't scheduled time to do that, you're, you'll probably work through that time or do something else, right? Your primitive brain in the moment is just going to default to that. But if you're saying that these are your values, these should be a part of your schedule. And so once they start, once they realize that and they put it on the calendar, it's almost immediate once they become intentional about making sure that stuff happens. I can definitely see that. I, I I just know the journey that I've walked through and I'm pretty sure that you've walked through that too. So what are your steps forward now? Because I know that you launched a new platform called Cuffed to, uh, Curved to Cuff. What's different about that platform compared to what you were doing in the past? So Curved to Cuff is literally a rich, high-touch, 12-week experience for high-achieving women leaders of faith. And it is a it includes curriculum that is released every single week. And it focuses on so not so not only curriculum, but it that's the education piece. There's also an accountability piece and where the ladies meet once a week. And then there's also the support piece where they have the community of women of faith leaders. And this program is all about turning their love, their love lives around in 90 days so that they're successful at reaching their relationship goals, getting in touch with themselves to have a connection with themselves so that they can have connections with opposite sex and attracting quality marriage minded men. And it is based upon a method that I created called the triple threat success method. And it's, <laughs> it's a new approach to dating for marriage, right? Specifically dating for marriage. And it's based upon a woman who can create this three different disciplines in her life that are necessary for her to date smarter and successfully towards marriage within a reasonable time frame. So if you were able to implement what I teach in the program, you can get engaged or like within a year, right? And so this is like the opposite of weaning things or relying on God to do the work. And the disciplines in the triple threat success method are clarity, confidence, and connection. Clarity is basically having the ability to uncover your mental blocks that keep you drained and frustrated while dating and mastering your mindset for a fulfilling dating experience towards marriage. Confidence is... Basically, exercising their their courage so that over time they develop their dating capabilities in order to create and design the love life they desire, and then connection is simply having the ability to easily meet, attract, and build quality relationships with quality men. And so, this method is specifically for high achieving women leaders of faith and cater specifically to their issues and covers everything that they need to know, again, need to know within a 12-week period for them to have a system to design a love life that they desire. And again, get engaged in as early as a year. 
Excellent. Excellent. I was just thinking, I was chuckling under my breath when you were talking about getting clarity around where they want to go, (laughs) around where they want to go in relationships, because there are lots of mental blocks for women when it comes up to this, because they probably show up at your door frustrated. I know that even in my network, even though most people are married, there are still women that are single. And so I may have some women to send to you. I'm thinking about that. I may have a few people that I should send to send to you. You know, it, it's it's funny because what do you say to women that show up at your door and say, I'm looking for a man that has to make a certain amount of money, or I'm looking for a man that like, I just will not be with somebody that isn't standing beside me on a financial level. I was just circling back to this because that actually is something that I've seen, not just on social media, but just popping up in different articles and listening to women. Where do you, where does that come from? Is it important for men to be financial equals with their women? Well, the first question that you asked, like, what do I say to them? The first thing I say is, why? (laughs) Because it's extremely important for them to know why they want this. Because, again, a lot of us high-achieving women have become high-achieving because of validation, Um, the need for validation. And so it's important to know why you want that. Is it because you want people to know that this is, that you can get a man like this? Is it um, because you're scared of how you might look if you don't have this? Like, what is the reason? Or is it because you feel like if this man does have this, then you won't have to deal with intimidation or you would have someone to be able to take care of you if something happens to you? So again, that's the first thing I ask is like, why? Mm-hmm. And then to your second point about, is that important for a woman to have that? It's important to the woman that it's important to. I will say that. Because people can choose whatever situation that they want to be in and be completely happy with that. And complete, be completely happy with what they choose. All right. So that's what the should. Now, I'm always going to recommend for a woman to be with a so a high a high achieving woman. This is my recommendation. Again, I'm not telling you what you should or you shouldn't do it because you can be happy with whatever situation you want to be. Right? He could be broke, be Gandhi, you know, serving <laughs> children with no money, and you love this man to death, right? <laughs> but I do recommend women, especially during these times that you do look to connect with men who are financially astute and manage their money well. And he does, like, I'm not saying that he has to make the same amount of money as you, especially like as a high achieving woman. Like if you're making like 500K a year, (laughs) I'm like, uh, you know, not saying you can't do it, but what I will say is I would have more grace and him just being in a capacity to provide And the way that's done is you have to like consider your way of living, right? And if he can actually come from a place of providing uh, and you're, you're capable with his income level, if you decided to take off, then yes, 
I think that you should do that. I think that you 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 should consider his, you know, like how he manages his money, how financially literate he is. Because at the end of the day, what I've noticed, especially being around millionaires and people who are making lots of money, it's really about how much money you keep at the end of the day. How much money people make is not even impressive to me anymore because I've seen people who bring in millions of dollars and they don't have much left after it's all said and done. So I'm just more concerned about money management and Mm -hmm. him being financially astute Mm -hmm. than him being able to match how much you're making. Right. It's about financial literacy and, and legacy building and wealth building fit into that for sure. So just before we wrap up, I was just going to ask you, what are any last uh, thoughts or insights for women leaders on that venture into dating or on the path to marriage? What advice would you give to them? Oh man, it's so much. But if I could just narrow down two or three things, I would say, number one, treat dating as an experiment. Okay, because as a high achieving women, we went throughout throughout school with a blueprint. We went throughout college. We went at our jobs. We had handbooks. We didn't. We don't have the blueprint to dating. No one dropped that in our laps, right? And so, of course, if you're not working with me, you don't have a blueprint for the most part, or, or somebody else. And so you need to go in here thinking like, just because I didn't hit it out the park the first time I tried or on this first date, how do I tweak things? You know, how can I change the variable? So if I have, so if the, so if I'm creating an experiment, I have a hypothesis of what I think is going to happen. And if the hypothesis doesn't come out the way I want, I'm going to do more research and I'm going to change a variable. So that's number one, like treat dating like an experiment because we don't have the blueprint, right? You didn't grow up with that. And then two, treat dating like a journey because we have a tendency to believe once I get in this happy, healthy relationship, once I get married, that's, that's the destination. No, because that's a whole nother journey. And if you treat it like a destination, you're going to be disappointed once marriage happens. And that's not going to be all you thought it was cut out to be. But if you treat it like a journey, if you treat dating like a journey, meaning that you're, fo- you're not focused on meeting the one just because you went on a date. You're not focused on getting a second date all the time. You're not focused on like getting a call back or not getting ghosted. You're literally focused on building habits. You're focused on building character. You're focused on learning more about yourself, more about men, because it's the process that you're embracing. Not like, oh my gosh, why am I not there yet? Why am I not there yet? Because when you get married, you still ain't going to be there yet. You still have a process you have to go through if you plan to stay married. So treat dating like a journey. And then three, treat dating like your career because you, you, like anything else in your life that you've gone after, you've put your foot in it. You've gone all in. But as as soon as a guy that you like stop calling you, you want to quit. But you didn't do that. When you, you know, you messed up in school or in your career and things like that, you, you kept it moving and you found ways to come out on top. 
So, and you also worked hard at it. You put time towards it. You didn't leave it as an afterthought. You put, you put that as a priority. And so as much as work as you put in your career, you need to be putting towards dating. So uh, treat dating like an experiment, treat it like a journey, and treat it like a career. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Simone, for being on the Holy Living Podcast today. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jenna. I had an amazing time. Thank you.